0: Christmas is typically associated with joy. Why? Well, it's festive. Decorations, Christmas lights, getting together with family, lots of good food, and of course, the Christmas presents that we look forward to opening Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, depending on how your family does things. Lots of good stuff happening this season that brings us joy, typically. But this year, uh, Christmas feels a little different. Already, this year's been kind of rough. I mean, I mean, some of us have lost our jobs, lost our businesses. Um, I think for most of us, we had our plans, big plans, weddings, graduation, major trips, delayed, canceled, or turned into a Zoom event. And now with COVID-19 raging across the country, many of us are not spending Christmas with our families. We're doing Christmas in our bubble. And that does not feel good. And so it can be kind of hard this year to feel the joy of the season. I think, I, think, I think many of us, we're, we're actually feeling kind of desperate. Uh, news reports are telling us that people are putting up Christmas lights earlier than ever. Not only that, stores are telling us that they are selling out a Christmas uh, decoration way earlier than usual. Makes perfect sense. When things are rough, we want to compensate. So we're gonna, like, we're gonna build the biggest, baddest Christmas display, yeah! We need to see some good things to help us feel the joy of Christmas. Now let me just pause right there and and help us notice that that this is the idea of joy in our culture. And that is joy is a feel-good response to what's happening around us and to us. That's our culture's idea of joy. The Bible also talks about joy, but it talks about joy in an entirely different way. And so today, I want to give you a primer on joy according to the Bible. But before I go there, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team. I want to greet all of you joining us right now, whether you're in Dane County, around Wisconsin, around the country, or around the world. And to the Chinese speakers jumping in, di and to everyone, welcome to Black Hawk Church. We're so very glad you're with us. Now, today is the third week of Advent. Um, Advent is that holy season of preparation before Christmas, and it includes the four Sundays before Christmas. So, for this Advent series, we're tackling the themes of Advent hope and peace. That was the first two, last two weeks. Today, we're looking at joy, and then next week, Pastor Matt will be looking at love. So, today, I want to give you a primer on joy according to the Bible. And to do that, I want to show you guys a verse. And I want you to memorize this verse, because if you memorize it, it will help you remember what does it mean to have joy according to the Bible. So here's the verse. It's Philippians 4, verse 4. It's a really simple verse. And I'm going to repeat this verse many times in this talk. And every time I say it, I want you to say it out loud with me, okay? I'm going to say it. You just say it out loud. Shout at the screen. It's not weird at all, really, okay? So, uh, and we're going to do this so many times, you're going to memorize it without even trying. So let's just Practice, get it going, all right? So, everybody say it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So, question number one, what does it mean to rejoice? Well, the Greek verb, uh, kairo, means to rejoice. The, the, the noun, Greek noun is kara, meaning joy. These are not particularly spiritual words. They simply mean to feel happy, to feel delight, to be glad, I mean, Jesus talks about the joy of finding your lost coin or lost sheep or the joy of going to a wedding. Now, if you look up joy in the Old Testament, oh boy, we're talking about lots of music and dancing. It's like, celebrate good times, come on, kinds of stuff. We're talking about whole person, whole body celebration. That's rejoice. All right, let's let's read it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. So, question number two, when do we rejoice? Answer, always. The Greek word is pantote, and it means always, like all the time. Now, already this you know, creates all kinds of questions like, wait a minute, what do you mean always rejoice? I mean, how, how do you do that? How is that even possible? Right, that doesn't make any sense. And you're right, it doesn't make sense rejoicing always does not make sense if we believe that joy is dependent on our circumstances. If you think that way, then you cannot possibly always rejoice. And so here we run into the first big difference between joy in the Bible and joy in our culture. Biblical joy is not dependent on our circumstances. (laughs) Okay. Now, I have to confess I have to confess right now, this, use, this, verb used to, this, this verse used to bug me a lot. It's like, it's like, Paul, seriously, okay, yeah, yeah, you feel joy, okay, that's great. But what about us? You see, when Paul, when Paul wrote Philippians, he was in prison. He was in prison. And, and not only was he in prison, other church leaders, they were bad-mouthing him, they were slandering him. So it was adding insult to injury. And then Paul was writing to the church in Philippi, and the people there were were, were, were experiencing persecution. So Paul was in prison, writing to people, experiencing persecution. And what does he write to them? Say it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. You can see why this verse bugs me. (laughs) Like, Paul, seriously. You feel joy in prison. Good on you, you're awesome. But what about the rest of us? I mean, just back in Thanksgiving, I woke up with this thing in my neck because, you know, I slept on it wrong. So I couldn't move my neck for two days. Believe me, I was not feeling joyful. I was not rejoicing always. I was grumpy. And right now, so many of us are going through so many things that are so much worse than that. Rejoice always, Paul? I mean, come on, seriously. Seriously. So here's another confession. I break this command, like, all the time. I don't think I'm the only one. And here's another thing that bugs me about this verse. It's like, Paul, like, what's what's the problem here? Like, why are you commanding this? Are you some kind of happiness police? You're trying to make sure everybody's happy all the time? I mean, what does joy have to do with following Jesus? Why can I be grumpy and follow Jesus? But yet Paul insists on it, right? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. I grew up in a a church where people took this command seriously. What What they meant by that is to be joyful means never expressing anything bad, never expressing anger, never expressing grief, never expressing sorrow. You know what it was like to be part of that church? I want to, do you guys, how many of you guys remember Ned Flanders? Okay, from the the show The Simpsons. Now, now I apologize because my cultural references are stuck in the 80s. Uh, But Ned Flanders was the Christian guy on the show, and he is utterly incapable of expressing anger or being upset. He's always like, hi, dilly-ho, good neighborina. It was always this artificial pep. Now, imagine going to a church full of Ned Flanders, It was so fake, it drove me nuts. All right? I I, I broke this command all the time, okay? I broke this command all the time. Paul, why are you trying to enforce this? Why do you care so much that we are happy all the time? So that takes us to the next question, which is why should we feel joyful? Rejoice in the Lord always. Say it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Why should we feel joyful? Answer, because we rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice in the Lord. Joy is a foundational part of what it means to be in the Lord. Now, that leaves us a question. What does it mean to be in the Lord? Okay, so... This is Jesus, okay? I know, I'm I'm an artist. People tell me that. Okay, so this is Jesus. And uh, here's here's the thing. The Bible tells us that Jesus isn't just a mere person. The Bible also talks about Jesus as a spiritual corporate entity, which means he's someone that we can actually join into. I I know that sounds really weird, so, so just hang with me, okay? Okay, so, like, this is us. We're out here. And the moment that we decide to follow Jesus, something happens to us in the spiritual realm. We are incorporated into Jesus. Okay, We are incorporated into Jesus. So, so this is not a metaphor. This is our spiritual reality. This is true of every person who has decided to follow Jesus. We are now in Christ. We are in the Lord. Now, this whole thing has different names. You know, it's called, you know, the, uh, the body of Christ, for example, or, you know, the church, or it's sometimes called the kingdom of God. When you read the Bible, and, and, and you, when you, especially when you're reading Paul, you're going to see phrases like, in Christ or in the Lord, this is what Paul is talking about. And by the way, this, this, this concept right here, this, this diagram right here, uh, is critical for understanding what it means to follow Jesus, We can spend a whole year, every Sunday, teaching on the implications of this picture. Um, Actually, I wish I'd drawn it better. (laughs) Uh, uh, But today, obviously, I can't cover everything. So today, we're just going to focus on one question, which is, what does joy have to do with being in the Lord? I want to show you this fascinating verse. It's from Romans chapter 14. And it reads like this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. So, so they were having arguments about, hey, should Christians eat certain kinds of food or drink certain kinds of drinks and that kind of stuff? And Paul's like, come on, stop arguing about stupid religious rules, okay? Let's focus on the big stuff. Let's major in the majors, So what is important in the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God really all about? Well, Paul says three things, righteousness, peace, and joy. These are the core traits of the kingdom of God. Now, righteousness we get, right? I mean, we are people first declared righteous by God. We're sinners and Jesus says, no, 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 you're not sinners, you're righteous. And we're reconciled with God. And furthermore, God empowers us to live rightly so that the kingdom of God is about righteousness. It's about justice, pursuing, doing what is right and good in our society. That's a stereotypical understanding of the church. We care about right and wrong. What a surprise. So righteousness. Second thing, peace. Last week, Chris talked about peace, and he said, hey, peace is not the mere absence of conflict. It is actually the active presence of harmony, of shalom, of wholeness. It is of everybody and everyone fitting in together perfectly. That's peace. The third one, now, that's the weird one, joy. Now, I don't mean to be editing Paul, but... I don't think I would have come up with joy. I would have said, like, maybe love, you know, like, hey, God is love, love your love your neighbors yourself. I mean, I mean, righteousness and peace is all about, you know, the community. And love, defined as doing what is good for others, that fits right in. Joy doesn't fit. Right? Joy is about me. Joy is about how I feel, my experience of life. So it doesn't quite fit in these three. So why is joy a foundational characteristic of the kingdom of God? The answer? Because God is joyful. Now, I, I, never, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. I think most of us, we don't think about God's existence. Okay? We don't think about what it feels like to be God. I never did. I, I never did until I read a verse... I read a sentence in a book written by Dallas Willard and Dallas Willard wrote, God is the most joyous being in the universe. God is the most joyous being in the universe. And when I read that verse, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I started thinking. So I want you to think with me. I want you to think with me. I want you to go through an exercise with me to think about what it might be like to be God. So first of all, Everybody does this, okay? Bring to mind the most beautiful, the most breathtaking scenery you have ever witnessed, okay? Bring that to mind. Whether it's from a mountaintop, on Oceanside, in a museum, bring those things to mind. Do you have it? Okay, you are there, right? I'm gonna show you mine. Uh, This is from a trip my family took to Yellowstone National Park a few years back. Um, There it is. Nice, right? What do we always say when we show pictures like this? We say, well, you have to be there. We say that because, yeah, it's a picture, it's a nice picture, but it does not capture the full experience. You had to be there to experience the beauty and the inspiration of that place. You have to be there. Well, guess what? God is there right now. He is there all the time. In fact, every image that you all came up with just now, God sees those images all the time continuously from every possible angle. Not only that, all the images that we came up with, they are images that we can see from earth. God is not so limited. He uses the beauty and the inspiration of the entire universe to draw from as his source of joy. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Uh, Think about your most precious moments, right? Those, those moments where you feel most connected to your loved ones. You feel loved, understood, accepted. Those are the moments you, 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 we, we long for, that we cherish, we, we, we live in our minds over and over again. Well, guess what? God is always there. God is always there in those moments. God experiences and knows perfect love and knowledge within the perfect community of the Trinity. He experiences perfect love, perfect understanding, perfect acceptance all the time. Well, let's think about the negative things that we go through as we, go, as we experience life and compare that to God's experience. God has never failed. So there's not a shadow of self-doubt in him There's no danger that can threaten God. So God does not know fear nor anxiety. There's no one greater than God that God has to compete with. So God has no insecurities. And God has never done anything wrong. So there's no shame and there's no guilt in him. (laughs) Can you imagine that kind of a life? I mean, can you imagine that life? A life without self-doubt? without fear, without anxiety, without insecurity, without guilt, without shame? Ah, I don't want to live a life like that. Well, guess what? That's the life that God has. Is there any doubt that God is the most joyful being in the universe? I know some of you are thinking right now, okay, great, yeah, God. It's, it, God is joyful, yeah, good for him. God is awesome, of course it's good to be God, yeah. What does that have to do with us? Well, what does Paul say? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. We rejoice in the Lord. We are in the Lord. We are in Christ. And because Jesus Christ is God, we are in God. We're united with God. We are one with the one who is the source of this overabundant joy. And so God is not only the most joyful being in the universe, his joy is of a particular kind. His joy is of the kind that pulls people in that invites participation he, he looks at us he looks at us and he says hey you are incorporated into me so right now i want you to share in my life i want you to share in my joy so not only that when we delight in him when we have joy and that's growing his joy increases god delights in us God sees me, God sees you, and he is delighted. And he wants us to delight in him. So I think that should clarify a couple things for us. One, biblical joy is not dependent on our physical circumstances. It is dependent on our spiritual circumstances. We are incorporated into Christ. We are in the Lord. Nothing can change that. And second, biblical joy is not fake. Biblical joy is not, I'll pretend to be happy. I'll pretend sorrow and fear and anxiety doesn't exist. I'm just going to push them all away. No. Biblical joy does not come from the suppression of negative emotions. Biblical joy comes from the vibrancy of the life of God. It is an overflowing of the abundance of God's joy the bible confirms that the verse we just looked at what does it say where we get righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit <laughs> right that's where it is in the holy spirit we are in the holy spirit now this is this is okay this is interesting holy spirit is the spirit of god is the spirit of jesus which means a holy spirit is like literally like right here okay which means all of us Like we are like just soaked, we're steeped in the Holy Spirit. That's where joy comes from. First Thessalonians. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy. Where does it come from? Given by the Holy Spirit. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit. Galatians. 522, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Here, here, Paul's giving you the entire program, okay? God says, I wanna give you my life. You're in here, you're gonna have my life. And my life includes all these things. So if you wanna follow Jesus, you wanna have the life of God in you, joy comes as part of the package deal. Joy comes as part of the package deal. Now, I know somebody might be thinking right now, hey, Charles, I get it. Joy is not dependent on my physical circumstances. It's because I'm in the Lord. Joy comes from God, who is the most joyful being in the universe. And we experience joy when we experience the Holy Spirit. Great. Here's my question. I am a Christ follower. Why don't I feel this joy? And that's a great question. See, this is where we are. This is our spiritual reality, right right here. We're in the Lord. We're in the Lord. We're in Christ. So how many of you, you actually see where you are? I mean, like when you wake up in the morning, you just go, "Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I totally feel it. I feel like I am one with Jesus. How many of you are like, moment by moment, hey, I am feeling the perfect love within the Trinitarian community? How many of you, hour by hour, are going, wow, I'm experiencing this awe-inspiring holiness of God right now? Well, I don't. And here's why. Is that even though we are incorporated into Christ, all of our perceptions, all of our, our, what we can see, are focused on what's outside of Christ. We are tuned to the physical world. We're now tuned to the spiritual world. So that even though we're inside, all we can see is the outside. Now we get a glimpse every now and then, right? Sometimes doing prayer, it's like wait. Or sometimes doing corporate worship, we're singing, we're like wait, I'm feeling something, I'm sensing something. We get hints of this every now and then, but most of the time, we are oblivious to the great glory to the depth of love, the height of grace and joy that we have right here in the Lord. If we could only just open our eyes and see what's around us. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Holy Spirit has a job that we rarely notice. That's one of the most important jobs. It's to help us see what's around us. And that's where the Holy Spirit in, in inspiring the Bible It's constantly telling us, hey, you're the people of God. You're, you're, You're God's child. You're part of the temple of God. You're the body of Christ. You're in Christ. You're in the Lord. All of that repeated over and over again is to get us to the point where we finally realize that, hey, the things I see every day, my school, my work, my experience in the physical world, they are not the most important thing about me. No. The most important thing about me is that I am here. I am in the Lord, and I am loved by a God who delights in me and wants to pour his delight into me. (sighs) And when the Holy Spirit helps us see where we are so that we can experience the joy of this God who is the most joyful being in the universe, our joy begins to increase. The next question, is it the Holy Spirit's fault that I don't experience joy? That's a good question and that gets us back to a very central principle in the Bible. And that is God invites us into partnerships. The the Bible tells stories about God inviting people onto projects. God invites Abraham into this kingdom building project. Jesus invites his disciples and then really all of us into this world transformation project, right? We're supposed to help him find followers and help him establish his reign on earth. God invites people into projects and those projects include our own transformation. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is working with us and working in us, but the Holy Spirit has made it such that we need participation. We need to join in. We need active engagement. So, how do we rejoice? Christ followers throughout church history has has laid out some next steps to help us partner with the Holy Spirit to increase our joy. And next step number one is meditate on the Bible. Meditate on the Bible. Throughout history, the people of God have retold stories about who God is and, and, and what he has done and what he will do in our world. He has done those things, and we, and we do this. I mean, if you've been coming to church at off for a while, you would have noticed, like, you know what? We spend a lot of time talking about Jesus. Yeah, we spend a lot of time retelling stories about Jesus. And it's kind of like, wait. I mean, I don't know if you think about this or not, but this is 21st century America. We're in Madison, Wisconsin. Why are we telling the stories about this guy who lived 2,000 years ago? And it's not just stories about him. We get into the history. We spend time talking about the Roman Empire, the Emperor Nero. We talk about, well, the political situation in first century Palestine. We talk about the specific Jewish sects in the first century, Pharisees, Sadducees, Zealots. We do Hebrew and Greek. I mean, we immerse ourselves in the history and language and culture of first century Palestine. Why do we do that? Because we are convinced that 2,000 years ago, God did something absolutely amazing, absolutely wondrous. And that brings great joy. And that is 2,000 years ago, God started something that we are a part of today, and that if we can truly understand it, if we can truly, truly grasp it and contemplate on it and, and meditate on it, we give space for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives to create joy. Next step, number two. We experience God's joy when we do things to give life to others and help others flourish. Now, you may ask, why would that be? Well, think about it. What does God do? God gives life to others. God do things to help others flourish. So when we do the same kind of things, when we do God-like things, we, the part of us that's the life of God that's growing in us, that part is going, yeah! Yeah! So we experience God's joy. So this is why, this is why you know, we, we want, we're encouraging everybody to jump into Avent Conspiracy. It is a wonderful opportunity for us to help people in, in the Dane County area as well as people in other parts of the world to flourish, to give them life. Now, we have, a, we have many different partners as part of Avent Conspiracy. I wanna introduce one of them to you right now. So... Uh, Real clip.
1: My name is JD Meter. I'm the partnerships director with Water Mission. Water Mission is a Christian engineering organization. And so we design, implement and build safe water and sanitation solutions to put in vulnerable communities in countries all over the world. And we don't just want folks to experience safe water. We want them to experience the living water message of Jesus Christ. For this year, Advent Conspiracy you guys are giving to support 50 hand washing stations that are strategically going to go in hospitals and medical facilities in tanzania thousands and thousands of people are even outside of a pandemic going to hospitals where they don't even have a place where they can wash their hands 40 percent of hospitals in tanzania don't have a safe place to wash their hands even more delivery rooms It's a staggering number, and so we really believe that these 50 hand washing stations are going to impact thousands upon thousands of lives, and they're not temporary, they're permanent solutions for folks. There's a lot of ways that I would encourage you guys as a congregation to get involved with Water Mission. A great place to find that is our website. It's not anything crazy. It's watermission.org, and you'll see some different opportunities where you can maybe volunteer with us, even from up in Wisconsin, uh, where you can get involved, walk for water. We'd love to have you participate in a hand Way. God bless you. Thanks for everything that you're doing.
0: Now that is just such a hands-on, <laughs> practical way to help people in another part of the world gain life. Right? Health is, like, foundational to be able to live out the calling that God has given us. And when we give people the gift of health, man, we help them flourish. Very good practical way to help. And, and there's other partnerships that we're doing in part of, as part of Advent Conspiracy. Go online and learn about these partners and what they're doing. And I ask you, give generously. Give generously. And while you're there, consider helping Blackout Church finish the year strong and so that we're ready for 2021 and all the new things that that's gonna bring. Because when we, when we do things that are God-like, we experience God's joy. Next step, number three. We are going to celebrate Christmas. Now, I know I said earlier, okay, and this is important to remember, biblical joy is not fake. Celebration is not like pretending nothing's going wrong, okay? And things are going wrong. I mean, some of us right now, we have lost loved ones this year, and and this will be the first Christmas without them, and and that hurts. Many of us feel totally beaten down by this year. We are feeling this restless anxiety. Some of us are just so lonely. We're, We're so cut off from the people around us, and we just desperately want to connect. And you know the thing about the joy of the Bible is that you can cry you can express grief, you can be sorrowful, you can be angry, you can do all that and still be joyful. Paul says this really crazy thing in 2 Corinthians. He says he is sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Okay? Joy does not preclude sorrow. There is room in biblical joy to hang out with grief, <sighs> sadness, loneliness, all of that. But we as a community, we're gonna celebrate Christmas because we're gonna remember and meditate on what God has done, what He is doing, and what He will do. Last, week, uh, last night, um, we gathered Blackhawk Church together, and, and we did a, a carol singing at our Fitchbrick site. Hundreds of people came. We did it as a drive-in style. We're in our cars singing, and we can see the worship band up there on the second floor. It's awesome. And by the way, uh, we're doing it again this afternoon, this evening. So I think there still might be spaces. You need to sign up, okay? We need to make sure that we, we spread out the, 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 the cars coming in. Go online, find out all the details. This coming weekend, we have our drive-through nativity scene event. Oh, my gosh. Okay, there are going to be live animals there. I've been at Blockhawk Church for 23 years. I don't recall ever seeing live animals here, but we're gonna have live animals. So bring your family, come and enjoy the sights, the sounds, the people. Uh, It's gonna be great, okay? Go online and get all the details there. And then finally, we have our annual Christmas Eve at Blockhawk, and um, this year's gonna be different. It's gonna be online, but I just wanna tell you, A lot of people have put a lot of work into this. I've seen some of the clips from the Worship Arts team. They are amazing. They're just like, wow. You do not want to miss this. You got to get your friends, your families, get them to watch, do a watch party. Okay, you do not want to miss this. Now, here's one final way that we celebrate. After my talk here, Pastor Collier is going to lead us in a time of communion. And of course, communion is a way to rejoice because communion reminds us of what God has done. The piece of bread that you have or the crackers that you're going to use or whatever it's you're going to do and use in your family, remember, those things represent the body of Jesus. And when we eat them, we have Jesus in us. We are united with Jesus. We are now united with God. And so Communion reminds us of where we are. This is our spiritual circumstance, and this is worthy of rejoicing. All right. I'm going to just kind of summarize everything here. So um, this is joy according to the Bible. Number one, biblical joy does not depend on our circumstances. Okay? It's a big difference from our culture. It flows from God's joy. It flows from a God who is the most joyful person in the universe. We receive God's joy because we are in the Lord. We're incorporated into Christ. We're one with God and we have His life. But we only really experience it when the Holy Spirit helps us experience it. But our participation is required. We need to be part of this, we need to rejoice. So let's say it together one more time. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let me pray for us. Father, we, we, we have this season right now, we, we, we yearn for your joy. We, we, in this season, we have, previously we've always had so many things that you know, give us joy that we count on. This season, when, when those things are taken away, we are, we are realizing how much it is you that give us true joy. That we're reminded that it is not the gifts and the surroundings and the celebration, it is that we are in you, that we're connected, incorporated into you, and we have your life flowing in us. And that life is an amazing life, an amazing quality. And Father, we crave for that, we want that, we yearn for that. So Father, we want your joy in our lives, help us.